title of the message tonight is Fear or Desire. Fear or Desire. Tammy and I sure enjoyed being in church with you all Wednesday night online and uh, listening to Brother Shepherd uh, expound verse 23. And we were able to, I don't know how you all do when you travel, but we were able to listen through our stereo system on our cars. Anyone else do that if you have to? Yeah. It is so nice. It was as good, if not better, of quality listening uh, on that stereo system in our chair than it would be if you were sitting there in the pew. It was just uh, uh, quite nice. And uh, we had good connection as we were listening. And, and uh, it was just such a blessing to be so far away and at the time be right at home and enjoying the message with you at the same time. And um, in verse 23 last week, we, we learned that it is a sport, in Proverbs 10:23. it is as sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. Doing mischief is the undoing of God's will. That's kind of how I see it. Doing mischief is the undoing of God's will. And a fool has a great time doing those things which are unpleasing to God. When Satan rebelled against God in heaven, it was mischief. When he wreaked havoc in the Garden of Eden, it was mischief. When they crucified Jesus, it was mischief. But a wise man knows that the will of God is best, and this ties in with our next verse tonight. A wise man knows that the will of God is best. Therefore, the doing of mischief is ultimately the undoing of our own good. It's done to our own hurt. So a fool delights to do mischief, but a wise man delights to do God's will. Even as Jesus said in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Now tonight we take those thoughts, we move into verse 24, where the Bible tells us in verse 24 about the fear of the wicked. The fear of the wicked. We often read about the fear of the Lord in the Bible, don't we? In fact, Brother Shepherd and I, it was amazing. He told me, he said, if, if you wouldn't known better, people would think we compared notes before the Sunday school and the, uh, the, uh, the message. And, and I went home and listened. I thought, man, that's almost embarrassing. Because we had visitors. We had visitors. And I thought, man, they may think that, uh, you know, <laughs> we're collaborating on this. And, but they just, they just harmonize so well so often. And, uh, you know, but, but uh, we both reference the fear of the Lord in our Sunday morning teaching uh, this week. But don't confuse the fear of the wicked with the fear of the Lord. They're not the same thing. In fact, they're not even the same word. The fear of the Lord is speaking about our reverence of God. But the Hebrew word translated fear in our verse tonight, in verse 24, is an entirely different word. The word fear in our text tonight is not talking about reverence, it's talking about being afraid. Wicked people like to put on a tough front for people. You ever seen, especially singers... 
Man, you ever see any rock singers? You see them smile? No, no, no. They just want to. They won't look like that. Look like that. We're tough. I play a guitar. Don't mess with me. And 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 they always want to look tough or mean or wear clothes that glorify death. And if they're not trashy like that, maybe they're a politician. They want to look confident. I can handle this. I'm in charge. You got a lawyer on a billboard, and they look like almost like a superhero. Like that lawyer on the billboard. Hurt by a truck? You need, you know, the hammer. The Texas hammer. But the truth is, all of these people, they have fear just like everybody else. They do. They get scared just like everybody else, maybe even more so than other people. And they, they act that way to put on that front to compensate for their fears. I think everybody in here tonight is afraid of something from time to time. Sometimes I'm afraid that my heart will give me trouble and maybe just go crazy and quit beating. Sometimes maybe Brother Shepherd's afraid of stopping a car, or pulling up at a domestic dispute, and, and maybe getting shot at work. I'm sure Glenda's been afraid of dying with cancer or the side effects of her treatment. Perhaps you're afraid of something else. Everybody's got fear. Everybody's afraid of something, but there's a stark difference between the fear of the wicked and the fear of the righteous in Jesus Christ. Here's a kingdom truth. The righteous fear with the hope of the gospel. The wicked fear with no hope at all. The righteous fear with the hope of the gospel. The wicked fear with no hope at all. I fear that my heart might quit beating, but I rejoice that I shall keep living in spite of it. That's true. Brother Shepherd may fear getting shot, but he rejoices that he'll rise again. When Glenda was first told that she had cancer, she, she said, I'm, I'm not afraid to die. I'm just afraid of the process of dying. And I think all of us would, would con- sympathize with that and have thought of the same thing so far, so far. But in other words, as a believer, she's basically saying that she's, she's af- uh, afraid of what the cancer may do, but she rejoices in what Jesus will one day do to the cancer. That's fearing and hope. That's how the righteous fear. Those who trust in Jesus, they, they neither sorrow without hope, the Bible says. But you know what? Nor do they fear without hope. We don't sorrow like others, and we don't fear like others. Therefore, the fear of the wicked, the Bible says, look back in your text, it, that is what the wicked fears, shall come upon him. It shall come upon him. The wicked may rise to power and appear invincible for a time. 
But ultimately, their fear will come upon them and overtake them. The psalmist talks about the the wicked spreading out like a palm branch and seeming so powerful. And then next thing you know, it's gone. Those people are gone. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. Aren't you glad we get to talk about being afraid in church? We need to. Do you know why? Because a lot of times the... You'll get afraid and the devil will say, well, now, if you was afraid, Christians wouldn't get afraid. Christians wouldn't be. That's not true. The Bible says, what time I am afraid, I'll trust in thee. Well, how can you do that if you're not first afraid? Mark chapter 6, verse 48 through 50. Jesus' disciples, his hand-picked disciples were on a stormy sea in a boat And the Bible says Jesus, quote, saw them toiling and rowing. You know what that means? Toiling and rowing. Those guys were exhausted. They were worn out physically. Now, when you have physical exhaustion with mental fear, that is a bad state to be in. When you're physically exhausted and you're mentally afraid, you're on the verge of a breakdown. And God put them in a position where they would be physically exhausted and mentally afraid at the same time. God will put you in that position too. Physical exhaustion, whether through toiling and rowing, or through sickness, coupled with fear. But you know what? Here's the beautiful thing. Those disciples, while they were toiling and rowing and afraid, were exactly where God wanted them to be at that time. Don't think you're out of the will of God because you're exhausted and afraid. They were in the perfect will of God in the right spot where they were supposed to be in life at that time where God could teach them a lesson and we're going to see here in a minute where God could come visit them in a way He could not visit them unless they were in that spot. Glenda told me the other day, I think it was me or maybe she told Tammy and Tammy told me, no, I think it was me right out here on, this, out here on the, the, the sidewalk. That she was closer to God today than she's ever been in her life. Do you know why? Because she's toiling and rowing. And that, a lot of times, is when Jesus shows up in a marvelous, miraculous way. Jesus saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. That means life wasn't going their way. They're mentally, they're, they're, they're mentally afraid, they're physically exhausted, and everything in life is going the wrong direction for them. And who put them in that situation? God did. Not their sin, not the devil. God put them in that situation. And about the fourth watch of the night, when they should be asleep, and they can't get any rest... He that is Jesus cometh unto them walking upon the sea. 
at the very worst times in our lives, a lot of times that's when Jesus comes walking to us. And would have passed by them. In other words, just act like he's just walking along like I always walk out on the sea like this. I, I'm not paying attention to the people in the boat. I'm just going to walk right past them. That's the way he was acting. Verse 49, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. Now, life wasn't going their way. They were physically exhausted. They, they, they were mentally afraid. And now they think they've seen a ghost. I mean, if they weren't scared already, they're really scared now. And now they just start screaming. It takes a lot for a grown man to scream. They're afraid. Verse 50. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Listen to these soothing words in the middle of their nightmare. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Do you know what that troubled sea was? It was Jesus. Do you know what the wind was blowing contrary to them? It was Jesus. Do you know what their physical exhaustion was and inability to sleep was? It was Jesus. That's how He came to them was in their troubled circumstances. That's when Jesus shows up a lot of times in ways we would have never dreamt. They would have never expected Jesus walking on the sea. And Jesus visits us in our trouble in ways we wouldn't expect either. The disciples were afraid of the storm. They were afraid of the Spirit they thought was a Spirit. They were 12 very scared men. But when Jesus came... He said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Here's a kingdom truth for you tonight. Fear will ultimately overtake the unbeliever. But when Jesus comes, he will ultimately overtake the believer's fear. Fear will ultimately overtake the unbeliever. But when Jesus comes, just like with these disciples... He will ultimately overtake the believer's fear. One day Israel will be surrounded by their enemies. Christians will be persecuted unto death. It will be the most scary time the world has ever known. And then suddenly the clouds will roll back like a scroll. And Jesus will come. And there will be nothing to be afraid about anymore for His disciples. The coming of Jesus Christ, as He came on the sea, He'll come in the clouds. And when He comes, His coming will effectually tell every believer, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now notice the comparison that the Scriptures make between the fear of the wicked and the desire of the righteous. The fear of the wicked shall come upon him. Look back in your text. But the desire of the righteous shall be granted. So there's this stark difference between 
the, the wicked and the righteous, between the believers and the unbelievers, no matter what happens in their brief life on this earth, the wicked will ultimately face something they dread. Let me repeat that again. No matter what happens in their brief life on this earth, the wicked will ultimately face something they dread, while the righteous will ultimately receive something they desire. The wicked may enjoy earthly things that they desire for now, but they'll ultimately have to give them up and face the judgment. The righteous, however, will never give up their heart's desire because their heart's desire is not the things of this world. Psalm 27.4 King David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. Do you know where the man is right now that wrote that psalm? He's in the house of the Lord, beholding the beauty of the Lord, and inquiring, and that word in the Hebrew means admiring, in His temple. The desire of the righteous has been granted. That's what he sought after. That's what he wanted. There are things I have desired of the Lord over the years which I have sought Him for according to His will. And the Bible says, as we read earlier, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our heart. Jesus said, I delight to do Thy will, O my God. When we delight to do God's will, who was here first? Our, our, our delight or God? If we delight ourselves in the Lord, who was here first? Our delight or God? God was. If we delight in God, then we delight in the things of God. The things God wants for us. The things God's designed us to have. And so if you delight in the Lord, then it's the Lord putting that delight in you for Him. It originates with God. It's put in man. Man then seeks it of God, and then God fulfills it in the man he put that, that longing in his heart for. If you're normal, and when I say normal, I mean this, sin has created abnormal people. Sin has broken the longing of our heart. So that in sin and in blindness, in our darkness of our flesh, we long for things that are harmful for us, that we were not designed to have. But if we're normalized through the gospel, if we have our, our thinking on straight through the conversion of our heart and our repentance through having our mind renewed by God's word, so now we're aligned with truth then we're going to desire the things of God which we were created for, which are best for us. And with that said, there are things that I've desired of the Lord over the years, which I've sought Him for, according to His will. And those things would have been impossible for me to receive in my own effort. But God graciously granted them to me. Just like the text says, I had to wait many years for some of them, but God has been exceedingly and abundantly faithful. God has told me, uh, no before, 
on things, and I'm glad. But he's never refused to grant the righteous desires that he first placed on my heart, if that makes sense. He gave me the desire to pastor a church. Here I am. He gave me the desire to have an avenue to reach those who doubt their salvation. He granted it. He gave me the desire to teach a seminary course to help the next generation of preachers. He granted it. He gave me the desire for a godly wife. He granted it. He gave me the desire to write a book so I could, after I died, leave something behind that could still help people who were seeking assurance of their salvation. He granted it. He gave me the desire for many other things. He's granted them. Here's a kingdom truth for you tonight. If our desires are according to God's heart, then He shall grant them according to His grace. If our desires are according to God's heart, then He shall grant them according to His grace. The fear of the wicked will come upon Him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Psalm 145, verse 19 and 20 harmonizes with this verse tonight. It says, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Isn't that beautiful? Oh man, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. Do you know what he basically just said right then? He'll grant the desire of the righteous, but the fear of the wicked will come upon him. Now in verse 19, if you still have that up there, good, I'm glad you know. Uh, yes, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. If you look at these two words, let me get my little pointer out here, Brother Neil. Since Brother Neil's here, I'm going to take this side here. Oh, we got a pointer there too. Look at the word desire and the word fear. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Underscore fear. I like that. Fear. Desire and fear. He's we got we got some new technology he's working on there on that screen. But notice those two words. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. You have to fear Him for Him to fulfill your desire. Those that fear God desire God's will. You see, they go hand in hand. Thus, God accomplishes His will by fulfilling the desire of them that fear Him. Isn't that beautiful? So tonight we have a, a promise, both to the righteous and to the wicked. To the righteous, one day their fear will come upon them and overtake them. That's to the wicked. One day their fear will come upon them and overtake them. To the righteous, to the believer in Christ, He will hear their cry. He will save them. And He'll grant the desire of their hearts to them that fear His name and love Him. 
What do we need to do with that tonight? Well, first of all, on a practical level, we do two things and we close. On a practical level, we first know that no matter what happens to us in this world, eventually, Jesus will overcome our fear. And so no matter what we face, we know that it will ultimately be overcome in His grace through the resurrection, through the changing of our body in, the mo- in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. But another practical level is this. We need to be people who fear the Lord, who reverence His name, We need to be people who delight ourselves in God. The Bible says that we should set our affection on things above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now, if you set your affection, if you're a believer and you begin setting your affection on things here on this earth, God is not going to fulfill the desires of your heart because God is not in the business of granting carnal things. He's in the business of granting eternal things, treasures that can't be lost with time, things that aren't founded upon this fallen world. So if we'll set our affection on things above where God is, delight ourselves in Him, delight ourselves in fulfilling His will. There's a prayer that I, I pray for I prayed for myself Uh, over the years, and I I prayed it today for me and and Tammy both. And it, it came from when I was a young believer reading the Old Testament stories and seeing how Moses didn't get to make it into the promised land because he twisted off and smote the rock twice and then seeing how King David had such a brilliant beginning and such a, a tarnished end. How Solomon, the wisest man, ended up doing foolish things. And reading those things, I, it, 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 it made me fear doing that. And so over the years, I've prayed, Lord, help me to end stronger than I began. Help me to stay faithful to you and let my end be stronger than my beginning. And I prayed that for me and my wife today, that we will serve Him all the days of our life unto death, and then even let our death be glorifying to His name, and let our end be stronger than our beginning. We have to think that way. We have to, to live with an eternal perspective with our eyes set upon eternity because that's the only thing that's going to last. But with our eyes set upon God's will and the advancement of God's kingdom in whatever aspect, whatever role He's put us in. Mine is in ministry, in, in, in gifts of teaching and evangelism. Yours will be in something else. But whatever they're in, set your affection on things above Learn to delight yourself in God. And in so doing, He will give you the desires of your heart, which will basically be giving you a portion of Himself, a portion of His grace, as the Scripture calls it, according to the measure of the gift 
of Christ. He'll do that if you'll delight yourself in Him. Father, I pray tonight that you'll take these precious people and Lord, your promises, Lord, are good to everybody. They're comforting to people who are toiling in a boat in the middle of a night when the wind is contrary to them. And everything's very scary in the dark as they're exhausted and afraid. Lord, ultimately, Father, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how bad the wind blows contrary to us in life, ultimately, Lord, Jesus is coming on the sea. Jesus is coming with His feet, already walking and treading upon the things we're afraid of. And His coming will overcome our fears. In that we thank You, Father. And Lord, I pray You'll help us to be like Jesus. To delight to do Thy will. Oh my God. And in delighting to do Your will, You will delight to give us the desires of our heart. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.